Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. I love learning about what people's version of financial freedom looks like for themselves. I find it so interesting. And today's guest was definitely no exception to that. He has a really incredible story that I think will inspire a lot of people. And one of the big things that I really learned from him is how do you even know when to walk away from a job? That's such a tough question. And if anybody that's growing their own business or just trying something different, it can be a really tough thing to know. So that's why I was so excited to chat with today's guest, Dustin Heiner. If you're not familiar with Dustin, he is the founder of Master Passive Income and Successfully Unemployed. He is a real estate rental property investor who was able to make enough passive income from his business to quit his job when he was 37 years old. With his podcast, books, courses, and coaching, he now helps other people quit their their job by investing in real estate rental properties to live the dream life. In this episode, we cover a lot of ground. We talk about what he learned after getting laid off from a job that he'd been at for over eight years, his first ever property, how he invested in 35 properties and only ever visited one of them. This is like so interesting to my brain. My brain does not work this way. So it's really great to hear this. Why the first property is sometimes the hardest, but why it can also get better quickly. We talk about tips for getting financing for properties. I know that's a big question from a lot of you as well. Why real estate is and isn't tied to your personal income necessarily how Dustin stays organized while managing more than 30 properties, deciding when or not to offload properties. That's something I've always been personally curious about too, is when do you get rid of one of those properties? How do you make that decision? Why there are still opportunities to invest in real estate, even when the market is, let's be real, bad for buyers right now. We also talk about Dustin's perspective on investing in new builds versus existing homes. I thought this was a really interesting episode. I talked to a lot of real estate investors and I can honestly say that Dustin, his philosophy is a little bit different than some of the other philosophies I've been hearing. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, but more than anything, if you are interested in getting started into real estate, I hope this gives you a couple next steps so you can start to feel comfortable with what the next step would be for you wherever you are right now. All right, let's go ahead and dive into this episode with my friend, Dustin Heiner. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. Today, I am joined by my friend, Dustin Heiner. Dustin, thank you so much for hanging out, man. It's so good to have you here. Hey, Whitney. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm super excited. I love, I'm actually a nerd, so I I really love talking about money, but I also love talking about just, you know, being nerd in general, but uh, I absolutely <laughs> love love being on the show. So I'm really super excited. Thank you very much for having me. Of course, man. You're a different kind of nerd. You're a real estate nerd. You guys are kind <laughs> of your own breed over there. <laughs> absolutely. I personally love real estate. And well, I, I really enjoy real estate, but it's what it affords me to do. It's literally to not ever have to work a job. And I like the acronym job, meaning your J-O-B, you're living just over broke. And so that's the thing. Your boss is only paying you just enough to keep you working and not quit, but not so much as taking money out of their pocket. So mm-hmm. getting out of that, I can li- live my life, do whatever I want, spend time with my family, love my wife. I can be with her, stay home with the kids, all that sort of stuff. It's just amazing what real estate has been blessing my family with. I love that you mentioned this. So let's go ahead and dive in. How did you come to that realization? So, okay. I've always been entrepreneurial, or at least my my dad was, my stepfather was, 
Um, and so I had a lot of influence from, from both of them that they both have an entrepreneurial spirit and they were being entrepreneurial. So I saw that. But then I saw in myself, I really like being an entrepreneur. In fact, it was mostly I just didn't want to have anybody telling me what to do. You know, a boss telling me what to do. So <laughs> totally. I started a graphic website design company. I had a skateboard manufacturing business. I even had a, a convenience store. I started a convenience store and a pizzeria. I've had lots and lots of businesses. But the easiest one that I did the least amount of work and made the most money was real estate. It was really buying and holding single family homes. And when I say single family, it means a single unit like a house to a fourplex, a four units. Mm. That's what because the IRS still terms a four unit as a single family home. Same thing with mortgage companies, all that sort of stuff. So that's what I really got started with looking at. I'm entrepreneurial and I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Great book. He was talking about passive income in general. And so I have the idea of like, I want passive income. And so I thought, let me look at real estate on top of my businesses. So here, let me, let me tell you a little bit of story of how I really took the leap. Like I said, you know what? This is how I'm going to be now an investor. So when I was, um, or actually my wife, so we've had three kids and we have now our fourth kid. My wife just gave birth to our fourth child. I'm working a regular job, working for the county government in California and working my job normally. And I go on paternity leave. Now, paternity leave is where the dad takes off time and stays home with the family, baby bonding and helping the mom and all that sort of stuff. And so we got four kids now. And I come back after a week or two of having the paternity leave. I'm working my normal job Monday through Friday, and on the Friday, the week that I get back, on a Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon, I get a phone call from my boss's, boss's, boss's secretary. She says, Dustin, would you please come to the boss's, boss's, boss office? And I said, well, sure, okay, and I hung up the phone. I sat there for a second at my desk, and I thought, what in the world could they be calling me for? I didn't do anything wrong, I don't think, and, and then I started thinking back, before I took time off. It was about a month before. I heard a little bit of rumors and rumblings of potentially that the department, the county department, didn't have enough money, that there might be layoffs. And I said, no, no way for me. Like I have, I have like eight years, 10 years of seniority. There's no way. So I get up. I'm like, okay, I should be fine. And as I start walking down the hall to my boss's office, it wasn't a very long haul, but it felt like it got longer and longer as <laughs> this thought kept dawning in my brain that this might actually happen. I, I dismissed it. But then every single step as I took down the hall, felt like my feet were getting heavier. And then eventually they turned into lead bricks. Like I could barely walk down the hall. The weight was getting so bare, unbearable. Well, I turned the corner and I see my boss's door. It's closed. And I see his secretary who called me. And she sheepishly looks at me and kind of grins and says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? And she knows everything what's going on. I have zero clue what's going on. So she's trying to console me with her eyes. And as I sit there, I start really thinking, my goodness, I just have my had my fourth kid. Am I a failure as a father? Am I a failure as a husband? And this entire career that I've been working here for this eight, 10 years now, it's all, is it all for not? Like, am I literally going to lose my job? And I started sweating. My forehead started getting sweaty. My hands got all clammy. And then my boss's door opens up and out walks a lady with a piece of paper in her hand. She's noticeably distraught. Like her whole entire world has been rocked and she's not necessarily crying, but it's, it's just rough on her. And she leaves and my boss says, Dustin, would you please come into my office? Well, he hands me a piece of paper. I get laid off a two week mm. notice. And mind you, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the right. government, but I did. <laughs> and so I'm just like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I have my fourth child. I need to do something. So I walk back to my desk, walk down that, that short hallway, felt really, really long. And I sat down on my desk and I stopped for a second. I think, okay, there's two things I need to do. Number one, I need to provide for my family. I need to make sure we have a roof over our heads, we have food. So my first job is to get another job. I was really, really blessed inside the county where I worked. I found another uh, office or another department to work for, the sheriff department. I did IT there. So I got hired on really quick, really blessed to not really lose a paycheck. So that was great. The second thing I realized that I needed to do was to make sure that this could never, ever happened to me again, where somebody could pull the rug out from under me and I could not provide for my family. 
So that point, when I'm sitting at my desk with that piece of paper in my hand, I tell myself, I am now an investor. I had bought a couple properties, but I was just, just a little bit of passive income. And I bought a couple properties and I told myself, no longer would I ever tell anybody, if somebody says, hey, Dustin, what do you do? I would normally tell them, oh, I work for the county. I do IT work. And that's the value that I put on myself. Well, I changed that. Now the value is in what I present to the world. I told everybody from that point forward, I am an investor. I'm a real estate investor. Even though 100% of my money comes from my job, that's my part-time job, my full-time job, my business, my who I am is I'm an investor. So for everybody listening to this, you need to realize that you as well, your value is not in your job. In fact, your boss is only going to pay you just enough to keep you working, but not enough to where that would take money out of their pocket, like I said already. You want to look at your value. Your value should come from who you are. So my values, my value of what I am comes from my God, comes from my family, comes from myself, who I am. So let me wrap up the story. I was blessed to get that job to where I could continue working, provide for my family. And then I started buying property after property after property. And I realized that the more properties that I bought, the more sooner I would could be to where I didn't need a job. So every property would make me a minimum of $250 a month. Well, 10 properties, that's $2,500 a month. That's $30,000 a year. If I had 20 properties, that's $60,000. So I just got to scale it up. Well, I was so blessed that in probably a total of like seven years from beginning to end, I was able to buy enough properties to be able to have $6,500 in passive income. Literally, I don't work. And I, I, when amazing. I say don't work, yeah, I don't work. If you've heard of the four-hour work week, well, working four hours a week is for suckers. I work 30 minutes a month. Like You're I, kidding. I kid you not. What? Just 30 minutes a month. I really just get a statement from my property managers and look at them, make sure everything is good. And I put it away and I keep going on playing with my kids. And That's so amazing. let me wrap up the story and share with you how I felt when I quit my job. So I was working another few more years or seven plus years and built my business. And I was gave my boss a two week notice. And after I gave him that two week notice, literally the next day I sat here, I thought, what am I doing here? I'm literally losing money. Even though I was making $75,000. I was like, I'm losing money. I got up. I went to my boss's office. Say, Hey boss, I know I gave you two weeks. I'm never going to need a job again. So I'm, and I, I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm leaving. So I oh walk out. I know I just walk out and he's, you know, he, 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 I, he knew it he was coming. Knew. Yeah. Yeah. I gave him six months notice. And, uh, even also, let me give a really quick side note. Um, I started masterpassiveincome.com where I talk about real estate. And I even put on my website a countdown timer of when I would quit my job. And <laughs> literally like it. a year, I did. And a year before um, I was going to quit, my boss says, he calls me into his office. Hey, Dustin, I guess you're going to be quitting your job soon. I'm like, yeah, that, that's the that? I saw it. Anyways, let me round up the story with, so, after, so he knew it was coming. So I, I tell him, you know, I am done and I walk out of my office and I walk to my car. It's a two mile walk because I work downtown, didn't want to pay for parking. I'm really frugal. So I didn't want to do that. So I'm walking. I've took this walk hundreds, if not thousands of times. I felt as opposed to opposite of walking with lead bricks down in my boss's office, walking to my car. I felt like I was walking on clouds because I would never, ever have give somebody else the ability to take the opportunity or the ability to have money coming in to provide for my family. So round it up to say, I now invest, I have 30 plus properties now. I literally don't work, but because of that catapulting reason uh, to realize that nothing's guaranteed, especially your job. It, and it's the statement that I was, I didn't really believe it until it happened. It's not, if you lose your job, it's when you will eventually lose your job. And so now I'm blessed to be able to literally call myself successfully unemployed where I will never ever work a job again. It's incredible. Like what a lot to unpack there. I am like, wow, <laughs> that's incredible. So it sounds like, let me see if I got the timeline correct. So it was about, was it 10 years from start to finish? Correct. Okay. That's pretty good though. And now you've got over 30 properties. How many properties did you have when you finally said done? I'm out of here. Peace out. 
That's a fantastic question. So I think I had like 24 prop, 22, 24 properties, but I actually at six years, I could have quit then, but it's really tough leaving that W2 job. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you think it's secure, but it's not, but it's a regular paycheck coming in. So I stayed on another two years because I was scared. I had four kids. And so after I just kept building my business though, by the time I quit, I think I had like 24. Now I have 30 plus properties now. And it's literally just a, blesses us to be able to go on vacation. Like in, when I quit my job in 2017, I took my family on a six week trip. It threw out all of Japan, 2,500 miles of driving around all of Japan for a six week trip. And then in 2018, we went to Europe. 11 different countries on a six-week trip. Me and my four kids, if if you can see this on the video, I don't know if you can, but I have a picture of my kids behind us. All of us, we went through six weeks on 11 different countries. And in 2019, we flew into uh, Florida and then drove from Florida on a four-week field trip, Florida all the way up to Washington, D.C. and New York for four weeks traveling. We homeschool. Actually, like take that back. I have the easy job of making money. My wife has a hard job of homeschooling the kids. <laughs> Legit, so, dude. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. True. She is amazing. I'm so, so blessed. But we were able to do that. So it was a big four-week field trip. It's because I don't have to work, and it's because mm-hmm. of the real estate and the business. Now, here's the big thing that I want everybody to realize. A lot of people, if you hear them talk about investing in real estate, they'll say, you buy a property, and that's your business. So what they say is, mm. you buy a property, and you fix it up. You find somebody to fix it up. Then you find somebody to manage a property. Then you find somebody to, to uh, become a tenant. And then you find somebody to, and you find somebody. They say that, and it's all backwards. My mm. business model, the way I tell everybody and where I teach all my students is, what we want to do is we build the business first. Our property is not our business. Our business is the business, and every piece of property is a piece of inventory. Let me explain how that works. Now, imagine a convenience store. Now you have a convenience store. If you're going to start a brand new business, a convenience store, you know, it's a gas station or there's, you know, fountain machines and candy bars, regular convenience store. If you're going to start that, you're not going to open the doors to a location, get a lease, put a box of candy bars in there and hope to run a business. No, you'll lose business. You'll fail if you did that. No, what you'll do is you'll get the gondolas, which are the shelving units. You'll get the countertops, fountain machines, bank or you know ca- bank accounts, cash registers, employees, mm-hmm. insurance. You'll do everything in the business, building the business before you put one piece of inventory into the business. That's the same thing with rental properties and real estate investing. You build the entire business. You find your property managers, your realtors, your wholesalers, your inspectors, your insurance brokers, your mortgage companies. You build the entire business and every piece of property is a piece of inventory that you put into your business that Mm -hmm. makes you money. And what I say is you want to make a minimum of $250 a month in passive income from every single property that you buy. Now that's a minimum. Some of my properties I'm making five or $600 in passive income every single month. And so if you view it as a business where you build a business first, then you put every piece of property into it, making sure your income minus your expenses, that difference is your passive income. If you do it right, you're going to be successful no matter where, if the market goes up, the market goes down, the market goes sideways because you have a business where you make money and passive income. That's so smart. I haven't heard anybody quite describe it that way either. A lot of times it seems like real estate investors kind of stumble upon this stuff. They get a property, they listen to a podcast and they're like, oh, cool, I need to buy a fourplex. So I'm just going to go do that. And then all of a sudden they're like, but now what? Now, how do I scale this? And I think exactly. that's a really, really good way to look at it. Tell us about your first ever property. How did you get the financing for it? Where was it? Give us all the deets. Yeah. So I lived in California when I started investing and it was in 2006 to 2007. And I realized, and if you remember, this is before the big crash of 2008, 2009. And I thought California is stupid expensive. There's no way I'm going to be able to buy a property here and make passive income. So I searched and I found a place in Ohio, a city in Ohio called Youngstown. Now, I would say it's a really economically depressed. And remember, I'm starting with very little money. If I, I think we had like $15,000 to our name. Like that was Oh, it. okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like very, very, very little money. So I started with nothing. So if anybody listening to this, if you have nothing, there is a way to do it. And in fact, there's so many options to find properties, to fund the properties, to manage properties. There's so many options out there, which I could show you. But 
fast forwarding to, I found a place in Ohio. I literally flew on a red eye because I wanted to save money. I'm really frugal. Like I, I know you're frugal too. I, I, <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> I, I'm really frugal. So on a red eye, I get out there. I visit the property managers. I visit realtors and I see the area because I have no clue what I'm doing. I've never done this before. My wife said, you better fly out there. She is very risk adverse. Her mom was a stay-at-home mom, and her dad was a school teacher. So they were so risk-adverse. So it took a lot of work for me to get her to be, say, okay, to take it our life savings of, like, what, $10,000, $15,000. Anyways, flew out there, found a property, found a property manager, bought the property. And I did it all wrong. So the way I'm telling you is don't do it this way. Do it the way I told you. It was building the business first. But bought the property, then found a property manager. And it turns out that property manager started stealing from me in six months just because she had a business that started failing. So she started stealing from me. Now I don't want to say that and have you think, Oh shoot, I shouldn't do this because I, somebody might steal from me. No, if you do it right, which I have done many times now the right way, you'll be saved from this. Now, all that to say, I flew out to Ohio, found one property, bought it. After I saw it, I bought it and then started building a business. Now, I kid you not, out of the 30 plus, I don't know, 35 properties or so that I own and bought and, and have as rental properties, I've literally only seen one of them. All of them, I do what? not see. I kid you not. Did not even I realize this, Dustin. That's crazy. That. Yeah. I don't even, if I start a whole new area, let's say, oh, I'll give you an example. I said, you know what? Texas is probably a good area. Let me start looking in Texas. And I found an um, area in Houston that so looked really good. Found a property, started building the business, then bought the property. Didn't even visit. I've never been to Texas before, before I bought the property. And so all these properties, we don't even need to fly there anymore. And the reason why is because we build the business. We rely on experts, not us. I'm not the expert. Like somebody say, hey, do you know everything about Houston? I'm like, no, I don't because that's I invest there, but I have experts that do it. So this first property really helped me to then catapult that and scale into the other property. So I bought this first one and then here, here's a, you're going to say, wow, I can't believe you did this, but I bought it. It was $17,000 cash, no mortgage. It was literally cash. And remember this was in Youngstown, really economically depressed. It's, it's a really rough place. So I cut my teeth on the worst place to invest. Now I've since scaled out of that, but yeah. it really helped me to realize that passive income is the best way to invest, not for appreciation, because I made, I still own those properties and they still make me money every single month. Now, since then, I did what's called the Burr method, where you, you mm -hmm. buy the property with cash, you refinance the property. After you fix it up, you get it rented, you refinance it, then you do it all over again. I've done that so many times. I've even taken home equity line of credit on my house. I've even did a bundle loan, a commercial loan. I've done so many different ways to do it. And there, there are loads of ways to get financing, but I've done so many different, that's how I scaled my business is Got by it. utilizing lots of financing and finding more than one area to invest. Like I don't invest in my backyard necessarily. I invest in many, many states. I'd much rather do that because I hire people to do it the right thing in building my business and growing my business. But here's the thing, Whitney, you're going to love this. I don't pay. I personally do not pay my mortgage. I don't pay my taxes. I don't pay my insurance. I don't pay my property manager. I don't pay for rehab. I don't pay any of that stuff. My tenants, they are the ones that pay for all of that. So I account for all of my expenses. I add up every single expense and they're relatively fixed. If you get a mortgage, it's a relatively fixed expense. Taxes are relatively fixed. It goes up a little bit. Insurance, everything is just about fixed. So you add up all your expenses and you figure out your income, which is how much it rents for. And as long as you make a minimum of $250 a month in passive income, the difference between the income minus expenses, you're gonna do very, very well on that property. And so because of that, I know whether the market goes up, down, or sideways, I'm still going to be making money. That's amazing. Okay, let's talk through, I think sometimes that first, I've heard this, and I don't know if maybe you agree, that the first three properties usually are the most difficult because that's where there's the mindset blocks and then there's the numbers of like, well, how do I get the financing? I'm only making maybe 60, 65,000 a year. How do I qualify for these different loans? So let's start there. How do you qualify? You mentioned HELOC is one of the ways. Are there other ways too, where if somebody is sitting at maybe a $65,000 home or income, excuse me, they already own a home and they feel like they're maybe strapped and can't qualify for a second. Is that kind of a myth we tell ourselves? It, well, let, so the first thought, let, I'll, I'll unpack all that. There's so much sure. to go through. And I, I really want everybody to realize that you can't, everybody can, no matter where you're starting, you absolutely can do this. See, I can personally teach anybody how to do it, but it's getting them over that hurdle to say, yes, 
I can mm-hmm. do it. Let me start it. It's just, yes. it's getting that over. So to number one, your, your first part was, is the first three properties the hardest? No, no, no. The first property is the hardest. And the reason why is because getting over that hurdle to actually put that money down and know that you're doing it right now. Here's what is amazing. So for all my students that I coach and show how to invest, that first property is hard, but because I'm coaching them through it, they get that first property. And I kid you not, usually within two to three months, they are buying that second property. And then that third property comes. I'll give you an example. One of my students, I started working with him in 2019, end of 2019, like October-ish of 2019. And then 2020 rolls around, still coronavirus. Obviously, we know coronavirus is there. He has bought, since I started working with him at the end of 2019, all through the, the COVID, he bought six duplexes. And he's like a 26-year-old. He bought six Good duplexes. Absolutely. And with those six duplexes, he's making a minimum of $4,200 a month in passive income from oh, these properties. And he's, he started with $50,000 of his own money. And now I know $50,000 is a lot. I say, if you have $10,000 of your own, you can absolutely get started. You can buy your first property. And then it's a snowball. You save all that passive income you make to then buy another property or you can refinance. And so getting to a little bit of your other part of the question with financing, Mm -hmm. there are so many ways that you, you, it's crazy how many ways you can actually get financing. A lot of people think if you're gonna invest in real estate, you get a realtor and a mortgage broker, and then you put them together and you yep. buy a house. That's just one of at least 14 or 15 different ways that I know of to get financing. Everything from, like you said, your your home equity. You can get a home cash out. I've I've done a cash out refinance on my personal residence so many times I can't even count. Can I've done imagine. that over <laughs> and over again. I've cashed out my properties that I own, my commercial properties. I've done that. So mm-hmm. that's another one, doing a home equity line of credit. Private money. Like if you have friends and family, because I started telling everybody I'm an investor, like I said, you know, I have a, a part-time job, even though hundred percent of my money is the, hard, the part-time job. Yeah. I'm still an investor because I started telling people that so many people started realizing, Hey, let me invest with Dustin after I started proving the model, showing them how it works. And now since starting master passive income where, you know, podcasts and people kind of see me as somebody who knows what they're doing. I have so many people coming to me saying, Hey, can I invest with you? Can I give you money to invest? That's another one. Another great one would be if you do a business credit, if you have like your own personal credit, you know, a social security number or the IRS mm-hmm. you get credit, you can even create a business and have an EIN number, which is an tax ID for your business and utilize that for business credit. You can also get hard money. Now I know when you think of hard money, you might be thinking, Hey, you know, Jimmy, the wolf will come and break your kneecaps. If you don't pay him back. Totally. <laughs> Where's my money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's totally not like that. It's actually just a, it's almost like a bank, but they're not accredited like that. But anyways, long story short, Got they it. want short term loans of like maybe six months to a year. They want to get their money in and out. They make their money on the premium, which is you pay a little bit more to borrow that money. But here's, I'll give everybody a tip. If you're going to do part hard money, and this is an advanced strategy, but I'm going to tell you an easy way to really use hard money or sorry, the right way to use hard money is then here's the principle before you even get the hard money, before you sign on your name on any paper to get the hard money, you already have one, if not two ways to get out of that hard money. And this Mm. is what it would look like. You already got the hard money ready. The guy's going to give you money ready to go. And it's going to be a one year term. So you have to pay it back within a year before you do any of that. You've already talked to two or three different mortgage companies and say, Hey, mortgage company, I'm being completely transparent. I'm buying this house with a hard money loan. I need to be out within six months to a year of that. Can you help me? I'm going to have this own it, buy it in cash. And can you refinance, get the cash and pay off the hard money lender? They Mortgage companies have done that many times, like hundreds and thousands of times. They mm. know that. You, all you got to do is make sure everything's lined up before you buy the property. So you have the money to buy the property. You already know you have money to get out of that hard money to put into a 30 year note. So these are just some of just literally 14 or in fact, I have a whole entire YouTube video where I talk to the 14 different ways that you can get financing to buy your properties. It's, there's so many ways. That's amazing. I love that you're mentioning to make sure you have that exit strategy before you go doing that. I think that's, it's smart because I know emotions are high, especially with newbie investors. It's so exciting to get into this business that it's easy to overlook some of the really key fundamental pieces. I'm glad you mentioned that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something that I love to do with my coaching students. See, 
all the people that I coach, they, everybody is different. They have different risk yeah. tolerances, different goals, different places that they're starting out from financially and mentally and all that sort of stuff. And what I love to do is mm -hmm. I love to give them options. Like I said, most people think you get a mortgage company and a realtor and you put them together and you buy a property. There's so many different ways. And so with all the options, I help to give out all the options. And then you as a student can figure out your risk tolerance, your yeah. goals, your financial situation, and make the best decision. Usually with all my students, I never tell them, do this or don't do this. I usually say, well, I would do this, but here are right. your options. You make the best decisions. Now, there are a couple of times where I, I literally, the only times I would actually say don't or give them something that they should or should not do is when they're I'm like, this is a bad property. Do not buy it. I will be mad at you if you buy that. <laughs> no, that's the, yeah, that's run. The only thing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So is this naive of me to think that if you are doing real estate investing, is it truly tied to your personal income or is that a myth that I have in my head? Yes and no. And the reason why I say that, when you get started, it's going to be a lot on your own personal income, your own personal tax history, all that sort of stuff. It's going to tie to that. But as you grow and scale your business, it becomes your business that is mm. the main asset. And now I have business loans that are tied to the properties, not tied to me at all. Now, when I first started, yeah, absolutely, I started with that. I'll give you a, a, a tiny example. And this is an advanced strategy. Uh, I would say do this if you have coaching or you know what you're doing. I used a credit card. I actually used a credit card to buy a house. And the reason why, it was like 1.25% for the life of the cash out balance. And I was oh like, shoot, that's, that's a cheap loan. Oh that my is goodness. a cheap loan. <laughs> Holy <laughs> smoke. How much was this property? So this was in 20, 2010. So at the bottom, bottom yeah. of the market, I bought it for $14,000 cash. And remember, this is one of the economically depressed. Now it's worth like forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, which is great. You know, it's great. That's a good return. But I was, the, the, it was renting for, I want to say $550. My uh, payment to the credit card was like $200. And that's $300 in, in difference. But, you know, property management fees and all the other fees, I was still pocketing, I want to say, $200 a month in passive income from that credit card that I used to buy that property. And then in six years, that credit card, it's now paid off. That's all passive income coming into my pocket. Mm. How do you organize all this financially? This like immediately my head is like 30 properties. That sounds so overwhelming as somebody that barely invests in real estate. So how do you organize all of this? Winnie, you are so much smarter than me. If I could do it. Dude, I don't know about that. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not that smart. I just figured out a way. I know a couple things. I know addition and I know subtraction and I know multiplication. <laughs> That's really it. So here's what it comes down to. I count up all, I add up all the expenses. So addition, add up all the expenses. And mm -hmm. then I take my income, which is the rents, and I subtract the difference. That's it. That's mm -hmm. literally it. And that's my passive income. Now the multiplication comes in if I want to scale it to quit my job. So $250 a month. And then if I have 20 properties, that's $60,000 a year. So it's just multiplication, you know, 12 times 12 times, times 20 years. Now, when you're thinking about Overall finances like taxes and uh, you know bookkeeping and all that sort of stuff, your property managers literally account for everything. And at the end of the month, this is what I said: I only work thirty a month. I get their statements and I look at all the line items of what, like repair, roof repair, or um, the property management fees, or what, whatever it might be. They literally have everything lined out. And at the end of the year. They literally send me an Excel sheet. Uh, no, it's a PDF, a PDF of all the taxes, all, all the things I need, the numbers for the taxes. And I literally just give that to my accountant and he Dang. does everything for me. So Smart. it's, I, I say, I've started so many businesses. Those were hard. I literally do nothing and <laughs> make so much more money. It's, it's great it. because, and here's the great thing. I'm blessing other people with jobs like the property manager. They have a so job. Good. I'm paying them well to do this. But here's the thing. Remember, the tenants are paying for that. And at the same time, I'm blessing them with a good place to live. It's a great house, great place to live. I keep the rents a little lower than, than the, the top because I want them to feel safe and secure that they can live in there for as long as they want. I don't want them to move out. When they move out, I could find somebody else. It's like rolling the dice. The I want to keep them in there. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So 
if I'm understanding this correctly, the reason that you hire property management is because you don't want to be that involved with it. You could do it on your own. It would save you whatever, 10, 15%, whatever they're charging, but you want that lifestyle freedom. Is that the case? Is that why you kind of go for property management companies? I am the type of personality that I would absolutely get up at 2 a.m. and go and clog a toilet. That's just how I am. I'm a, I'm <laughs> you a driven would person. Too. I absolutely I would. Plus, I'm frugal. Would. I'm really yeah. frugal. So I'm like, shoot, I'm not going to pay somebody 50 bucks. I'll go do it. No. <laughs> yeah, I'll be right over. <laughs> I, exactly. But then I realized if I put those in my expenses, if I put those repairs, those you know miscellaneous items, if I add those into what's going to cost to actually run the property – and I still make that passive income, it's still being paid for by the tenants. And so you can absolutely, I have some students that they manage their own properties that, like you said, that 10% that they would normally pay somebody else, they put in their pocket, which is great. You can absolutely do that. Or you can have your property manager and you're hundred percent right. I love being able, like I almost, so I live in Phoenix. Uh, this last week, I drove to Denver. I was actually going to come up to Idaho to see you and hang oh, out. No, it would be great dude. to do stuff like that. But um, it was snowing. And so I was like, you know what? Let's just turn around. But it was going to be a three-week trip. And I wasn't even going to have to think about my real estate. Right. And so I can play with my kids. I can coach their little league games. I can you know, go on field trips. I can do whatever I want because I literally don't even think about my properties. My pro I pay my property managers. I take that back. My tenants pay my property managers well to manage the property. So as long as you account for all these expenses in your business before you buy the property and you make sure you're going to make a passive income, all that's just gravy. That's just money coming in that helps you to live your life. Got it. Are you focused at all on, so it sounds like it's more of a cash flow play. You're like really trying to get as much of that to cover your living expenses and, and so on. So is appreciation kind of like a secondary gain for you, or is that something you're immediately looking for when you make an investment? It is absolutely a non-issue or mm. not even on the radar. Because this is the reason why I say that and I have experienced it. So I started buying in the 2006, 2007 before the crash. Those properties cut in half from when I bought it, like from 2009, 10, 11, it, it literally dropped. And I was like, mm. oh man, that's a bummer. But I still have a minimum of $250 a month coming in passive income. Now those properties are well above what I bought it from. If not, like like I said, some, I bought you know $20,000 property, it's now worth 60. So it's great, but it's only great when I either sell it or refinance it. So here's what I do. And what I would suggest to anybody else who wants to continue to scale the business, when you when you do have appreciation, because it'll come, but mm -hmm. I do not sell the properties, what I do is I refinance it, pull that cash out to buy another property and grow the business. When I sell a property, I don't have any more. It doesn't make me any more money. I can't I can't account for that uh, appreciation. Appreciation is great, but it's great. It's like icing on top of the cake. In fact, I love cake. In fact, uh, more so. I think cake is a frosting delivery system. Same thing with appreciation. <laughs> It'll be great when I actually eat it, but I don't invest for that. I invest so that I have money to pay for my bills, to be able to travel, invest more, put food on the table, all that sort of stuff. So appreciation will be there, but it's literally not even anywhere in my thinking because that's not the business model. I'm not flipping these houses. I'm, I'm going to hold on to them. In fact, this is generational wealth. All these properties I own, I will literally give them to my kids. Now I will teach, they're not going to be spoiled brats. I'm going to teach them. They're going to build their own business. Um, in fact, that's what we do in homeschooling. I'm teaching them exactly how to do this as well, but it's there to pass it down. Nobody can pass down their job to their kids. They literally cannot do that. I can pass down my entire business. Every business I create, pass it down to my kids. So cool. I love that you are homeschooling too, because I think that's, I mean, where would you go to school to learn about real estate investing? I mean, come on, you know, like what five-year-olds learning that stuff? It's just crazy. <laughs> and they're no, and they're they're also not teaching like in in uh, public school. They're not teaching like how to invest in general. They're just teaching no. you how to be an employee, which is not bad. We need lots of sure. employees. We do, but if you have an inkling to be an investor, to be your own self, you know, entrepreneur or self-starter then there are so many other options out there. And real estate is just a fantastic one. In fact, what I love 
So I love master passive income where I teach people how to do this stuff. And it's just, I mean, it Amazing. might come across a little bit. I'm a little passionate about it because it's just fun. It's fun. Well, it's for a me cool, it's a cool opportunity for people. I think it's really, it's awesome. You share that knowledge with people. Yeah. And now I have all this time to devote to helping other people. And so Amazing. I was like, my goodness, I have so much extra time. I, I'm not going to play video games all day. I mean, I can only golf so much. I can only do, you know, do so many things, but might as well help people. And here's the great thing. I have so many students that have said, Dustin, you've changed our families, our family's life so cool. because we now have properties that are making us passive income. Like I said, one of my students, six duplexes in one year, another one of my students in, I want to say seven months. He bought six doors, or he bought two duplexes and two houses. So he Amazing did that. Though. And I have other students that literally bought one in the first three months after. Anyways, well, I, I could go through lots of stories. It's just amazing to have so much extra time to serve people. Like I serve in my church. I serve people here on the podcast and all that sort of stuff. It's it's just a huge blessing. I love it too. I think it's a really great way to give back, especially when you hit that point where you're not tied to income as much and you have more of that time freedom, it, it's a great way to give back. Curious for you too, is there ever a situation where you would offload a property? Like, is there ever where you'd rather have that money go into a different type of property or do you think you should always hold on to it if it's making any cash flow? It's hard for me to sell anything when I have it. When I, when I own it, it's yeah. hard for me to sell it. Now, here's the, here's for me. Now, there are a lot of people that, they, you know, you take your own risk tolerance, your own goals and all that sort of stuff sure. and you figure that out. But this is what I do. I look at what I can sell it for and how much profit I can make on that property versus how much I can actually rent it for. Now, if I, now I, ha, I have done this where I was, man, I'm going to make $150,000 if I sell it now. How long would it have rents would it take me to actually get that $150,000? Right. With that $150,000 now, I can actually buy more properties. Another thought is I can just refinance and pull it out. Long story short, I have sold properties. I have refinanced plenty of properties. It's just... It, here's the thing. I like to show tools, financing tools, funding tools, um, finding properties. I give all these tools that are an investor's tool belt, selling a property is one, refinancing is another, um, getting commercial loans. All these di are different tools. You just figure out for every scenario with every property that comes either that you own or you are looking to potentially buy, you figure out what tool fits to get that into your portfolio or out to help you get more properties. Do you feel like... I mean, you you see the real estate market. I know it's crazy literally everywhere. And it I can is. see a lot of people might be naysayers and say, well, this is the worst time to invest, Dustin. Like, why would you do it? It's like houses are terrible if you're a buyer. How how true is that? What's your perspective on that? Yes and no, meaning yes, it is a bad time to buy if you're buying houses that are three hundred thousand dollars and more. That's just mm, it's just way overpriced. Now, the reason why I say no, see. This is at, whenever you listen to this, it's going to be after the 2019 or 2020, where it's the coronavirus and everything. That was the worst year, probably, to buy properties. And one of my students, like I said, literally bought six duplexes in that year and is making over $4,000. So now here's what people would say Well, Dustin, the prices are so high right now. I'm like, yes, absolutely. But there are areas of the country that you can and should invest and still make money. You don't need to invest in your backyard like you the same city you live in. In fact, we li we we live wherever we want to live. I can move to Hawaii if I wanted to and invest anywhere in the country. I even have students in like Switzerland and Canada and Israel. I have students all over the place and obviously America that are investing in America in every different area. So, you find and I show you how to find the right areas to invest in, how to build the business and then how to find the right inventory to buy to put into that business. So yes, it is a really, really expensive time right now to buy properties, but there are loads of deals out there. You just need to know how to find them and how to actually capture equity. I'll give you another example. One of my students, he's built his business and he's teaching his wife how to do this. He's like, maybe I could teach my wife and she wants to do it as well. So That's she awesome. found a whole found a whole nother area of the country to invest. He taught her how to do it. Whole new area of the country to invest. She is under contract right now. I just got a text from them. It's super cool. Aww. She said, I am under contract with this property and I got $30,000 off of the asking price. I know people Whoa. might be thinking, well, Get it, Dustin, girl. people, yeah, people are paying over asking right. price right now. I'm right. like, not everywhere. There are deals out there Good and you point. need to 
know how to do it and how to capture it. That's that's literally thirty thousand dollars in their pocket that they just captured in equity because it's still worth that money. So yeah, it's there are places to invest. It is high right now, but if you know what you're doing, you're going to be very very successful. Well, in all fairness to you mentioned 2007 is when, you know, 06, 07 is when you were investing and people would argue and say that was like the peak of real estate too. Like prices are never going to get back up to that level. And here we are, you know, 10 years later, mm-hmm. back to that same level, if not higher. So I, I think it's, I, I'm of the belief that it the best time to invest is when you're ready, when you have the money and 100%. you're ready. So it's like, don't try to time the market. Nobody wins. I thought that the market would crash back in 2017. Dude, me too, actually. Oh, add a girl. So yeah, I mean, totally I know I knew you were smarter than me. So I'm glad I'm catching on. So <laughs> whatever. <laughs> we were both uh, wrong. <laughs> I mean, we're both. There we go. We both <laughs> got me on that one. So I thought in 2017 it was going to crash, and I was still buying a properties in 2017 because I knew even if it crashes, I don't care. I make passive income. That's now, right. if I would have not taught anybody how to invest in real estate, that's like hundreds of lives I would not have changed. From I'm like I'm worried 2017. Oh no, it might crash. It's literally 2021 uh, right now. It'll be 2022. It might be 2025 before something happens. You never know. And so I love this quote. When is the best time to plant a tree? Well, it was 20 years ago. The next best time is literally today. You start today. You do it today, and then. In 20 years, you're going to look back and say, I'm so glad I planted that tree back then because now I have so much fruit coming from it. And I'm definitely a testament to investing at any time because I started investing in 2007 before the crash. And even though it crashed, I still made money in passive income every single month. And I still own those properties. And now they're worth two or three, four times much more than I bought them for. I I totally agree. I think it's an interesting perspective too. And it, it does go back to, we were talking about that mindset shift of the hardest property is the first one, because you have to believe that it can be possible for you. So I, I can see why that would be the most difficult. Would you ever consider doing a brand new build, like an apartment complex where you're building it yourself, or are you only interested in existing homes? So you... It's actually very, very funny. I had a coaching call, one-on-one coaching call with one of my students, and he literally had that exact same question. So let me help you to understand my perspective on new builds. Mm -hmm. New builds are great as long as we can make the passive income, and we're not way overspending. Like, I'm not going to spend $450,000. Well, let me me ask you, Whitney. Do you think it'd be better to buy a house for $450,000 and make $250 a month, or buy a house that's maybe $80,000 and make $250 a month? Well, definitely 80, (laughs) but I'm super risk averse too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but if you think about it, if a tenant moves out, how much of a mortgage payment are you going to have at a $450,000 house that your entire year of profit is eaten up by that one mortgage payment? Why not buy an 80 or even a $150,000 house and have a lot of money left over if there's a vacancy? So when you're thinking about, um, you know, new builds, you might be paying a good amount of money for a new build. I focus, now, a new build may be fantastic if the price is low enough and I make enough passive income, I'm gonna buy whatever property. If it's new, if it's old. I have. I literally have a home that was built in 1892 or something like that. Like it's, Oh, so it's jealous. Old. <laughs> it's old. That's amazing. Even with that property being that old, it still makes me money and it's mm-hmm. still a great property. So, if it's a good deal, and here's another thing that a lot of students will ask me, should I do this, this, or this? And they'll, you know, put in whatever you put in your mind, whatever it is, like find <laughs> yeah. this, find this type of property, or should I do this or whatever it might be. And I tell them when you're doing investing, literally do all of them because you don't want to narrow yourself down to, I'm only going to buy, um, not new homes. They're going to be this price range. And I'm only going to do this. Well, if you do that, you're going to miss on other deals that you never know. Remember, we have tools. We put those tools into whatever deal we find. So my suggestion is you want to be looking for deals. If it's a new or old or whatever, you want to figure out how to make sure that if it works in your business, you're making money, we put every tool in it isn't there to actually get the job done, then we buy it. So hopefully that helps well round out my uh, understanding on new homes. No, it totally does. For you... And I think everybody listening in, I'm sure you, you even thought this before. We've heard so many people go bankrupt because of real estate. They were too aggressive. They were not leveraging correctly, all of that kind of stuff. 
What do you do as a real estate investor to make sure that you don't lose your ass in this? That's a fantastic question. I kid you not. I I have I know so many people who say back in 2008 or sorry 2006 I was rolling. I was I have so yeah. much real estate. We were doing we were millionaires, and then 2008 happened, and I went broke. I'm like, well, it's because you did it wrong. Like you mm. literally, you're investing for appreciation. You're not investing for cash flow, and you're way over leveraging. Like I said, I mean, I could go. I could, literally could go out and buy. 10, $450,000 houses, put down payments on there, yep. get loads and loads of debt, and then get crushed, literally get crushed if something does happen. Now, let me give you an example of what could happen. That $450,000 house, if there is a correction like there was back in 2008, that will literally be cut in half. So what is that, $275,000 out of your pocket, like literally gone. And hopefully mm -hmm. over time, you hold it long enough to where it'll go back up. That's $275,000. What I saw... The homes that were that price got cut in half, if not more. The homes that were like 60, 70, $80,000 houses, they didn't get cut in half. They maybe got cut by 20, 30%, but they didn't get cut in half. And even if it wasn't half, that's only a, for $80,000 house, that's only a $40,000. Like on paper, looks mm -hmm. like you're, you're worth less as opposed to $275,000. So that is how you do not lose everything is number one, you invest for cash flow. Number two, you do not over leverage where you're buying crazy houses that are way too expensive for you that are going to kill you if you have one vacancy. And number three, you make sure that you have the business, all the expenses accounted for so that you know, I'll give you an example. You're going to have $3,000 extra. Now this mm -hmm. is on top of you've already accounted for, and you remember your expenses, you accounted for repairs. Mm -hmm. um, capital expenses, like our new roof or a furnace, you've already, you're already budgeting and setting aside that every single month. On top of that, you're making that $250 a month in passive income. So that's $3,000 extra a year accounting for any problems that could happen. That's a huge buffer to also be able to pay for something like an unexpected thing. Cause a lot of people that were doing it the wrong way, number one, they're investing for appreciation, but number two, they were saying, as long as I was making $50 a month in passive income, that's a good property. I'm like, oh my goodness, 50, it, bucks? 50 bucks a month, that's $600 a year. That's yeah. nothing. If you have one vacancy, you're paying out your pocket. Like you're right. literally, so all that combined, if you do it wisely, you will be absolutely fine. And you know, when people got hurt, they got crushed in 2010. They're like, "Man, I'm bankrupt." I'm. I was like, "I'm. I'm actually doing great. Like, I'm making a lot of money." <laughs> I don't know what to tell you right now. <laughs> exactly. That's so interesting. I think the other point too that I want to really illustrate with with the listeners today is that you're talking about $250 minimum profit. And I know I've seen those videos too, Destin. I know you've seen them too, where people are like, oh, I make $1,500 a month. That is so misleading though, because they're likely not including the CapEx. They're not yep. including repairs. They're not including, yep. you know, things that you, your little emergency fund for your property. Like they're yep. not including that kind of stuff. So I could see why that would be very misleading to a newbie investor as well. And when, as I was starting Master Passive Income, because I'm coaching people how to do it, and really, Master Passive Income cart started because as I was quitting my job, I was telling people, hey, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm not getting any other job. They're like, <laughs> well, number one, how are you quitting? And that's the first question I always get asked is, how are you quitting? I'm like, well, I have real estate. I don't need to work. Money comes in. And the second question always follows up. Can you show me how to do it? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, like, how do I do that? I don't want to work exactly. either. <laughs> and so with friends and family, I'm like, yeah. So I started teaching people one-on-one -on -one, and it uh -huh. just took so much time. Now they're, they have, the, they all have beginner questions, same questions. They're good questions. They're fantastic questions, but they're all the same ones. And so I started thinking, man, this is taking a lot of my time. I don't mind doing it, but at the same time, there might be a better way to do it. So I started Master Passive Income. I literally wrote a book called How to Quit Your Job with Rental Properties. I mean, I, I'm not creative at all. I'm just straight to the point. How to quit your job with rental <laughs> properties. SEO friendly. <laughs> exactly. And so that was my goal was to write this book. And this is what I did. I would literally, I wrote the book and I would literally hand it to people. And they say, I'd say, read this book because mm. I want to help you. Read this. This will answer all, like 90% of your questions first. And then if you want to move forward, 
then we can talk. Then I can help you because yep. it was just like, it just takes up so much time to do one-on-one. So it started with Master Passive Income. Then that led into the podcast, which and you and I, Whitney, we know we love podcasting. It's so much fun. And so just from there, it's growing into where now I have so many people that are just, you know, changing their lives. So it's fantastic to be able to have that time and the freedom. And then now being able to just pass it on to as many people as possible. I love it. You're doing some great work too. And it's so fun to follow your business journey and then your personal journey. And whenever I see you take vacations with the kids, I'm like, ah, oh, this is, this is the dream. I don't have kids, but I'm like, can you adopt me? Like, I would love to just go travel around <laughs> with your family. This sounds fun. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Six week vacay. Sign me up. Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny. It's, it's a, it's definitely a rough problem to have, but six weeks is a long time to vacation. After about four weeks, I'm like, I want to go sleep in my own bed. I want to go have my <laughs> totally. own routine again. It's a rough life that I, I'm just Yeah, joking. oh, I believe. But, I mean, seriously, it though, does. it does get old. <laughs> After six, honestly, well, we went through Scotland and Ireland and mm. uh, Israel. We actually, we even went to Israel on our year trip. It was terrific. Don't get me wrong. It was fantastic. But after like the 18th castle, I'm like, huh, it's another castle. Awesome. Yeah, you okay, do get that way. <laughs> it's so true, though. We felt the same way in Europe when we were looking at museums. We're like, great, another museum, another another church. Like, <laughs> it, it it all blurs together. It's sad how our brains do that. <laughs> it, sure, it sure does. But, man, I mean, in the long run, these are the things that my kids are going to remember. They're really sure. going to remember this. And, you know, how many kids are going to be able to say, I went to Europe and visited those 11 countries that you're reading about in the book. I literally experienced their culture. I got to see how they live. I get literally got to live around them, eat the food. They're like, my goodness, I'm I'm just blessed to be able to provide that for the kids. And here's another thing. You know how frugal I am. I'm really, really frugal. And I'm teaching them to not be spoiled brats. Like, there's no way I would ever let my kids do that. So, yeah, they work for every single penny. So here's a little side note of what I do with my kids that some people might appreciate. Um, so I'm t- I was never taught to save money. I was taught not to go into debt, like just pay off your credit mm-hmm. cards. That was the max of what I was taught. So this is what I teach my kids now because after I've learned. So any money that they get, it could be a lot. Sorry, I said allowance, but I never, I, I apologize. We don't pay our kids allowance. It's a privilege to be in this family. They do their work and that's a part of being the family. So if they get um, um, money from, grandparents for birthday presents or Christmas presents. When they finish a book for for homeschooling, they finish one of their math books or something, English books, I give them 10 bucks. It's like, this is your job. This is your job. You complete it. The sooner you complete it, you get money. So anyways, any money that they take, any money that they receive, we do this soon. We teach them this. 50% gets put into savings, like right off the bat. If they get $10, $5 goes in savings. 10% of the whole goes to God. We, we go to church and we tithe mm-hmm. so that it teaches them to give. 20% goes to mommy to pay for responsibilities. So $2, they literally run to mommy. Here you go, mommy. Dude, that's pay for so great. Food, yeah. All that really helps them to realize there are responsibilities. And then the last 20%, they get to figure out what they do with, with that money, to spend it however they want. So even if they get to... I'm saving 10% as opposed to 50. That's so much better than most people are. So anyways, that's what I'm doing with my kids on top of teaching them how not to be spoiled. Like it, I'll give you an example. They say, hey, daddy, there's an arcade game over there. Can I Can I go play? Can you give me money? I'm like, you have money. I'm not giving you. That's a waste of money. <laughs> it's your own damn money. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> and then on top of that, teaching them how to invest in real estate, playing cash flow, kids with them. Have you heard of the game Cash Flow by Robert Kiyosaki? Oh, yes. I haven't. I haven't played around with it, though. It's a really good game. It gets them to think about buying properties or building businesses. Ah, that's cool. Passive income to get out of the rat race. Anyways, we play that with them. We play Monopoly with them. We real. I but last thing is I'm gonna have a kid that's a spoiled brat. So I spank him on the bottom. Quite. <laughs> <laughs> Keep him in line. <laughs> Absolutely. That's hilarious. Yeah, we'll talk when I have kids. My my. Uh... My strategies might be like, Dustin, what do I do next? Like, I have no clue. I'm there for you. (laughs) I'll need it, friend. I'll need it. This has been such a fun conversation. I really have enjoyed learning from you and just seeing how possible this is for people. I think that's the really inspiring piece that I'm taking away from all of this. Before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fires? Absolutely. Let's do it, Fred. Okay. My first question for you is what is one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? 
Oh, outside of properties, that would because <laughs> always make my life better, huh? Let's see. I'm really frugal, so I don't really spend a lot of money. I've been buying. I'll, I'll be straightforward and say I bought a couple pieces of, of gold just because I was like, I think if, yeah, inflation might come sometime soon because the government just keeps giving out money. So I bought a couple ounces of gold. I was like, yeah, I could even pass that down to my kids. But outside of that, I bought golf clubs. I literally bought golf clubs. I live in Phoenix. There's golf. Like this is the, the mecca for <laughs> golf courses. And so I realized I actually like golf. So. I bought golf clubs and that's actually making my life fun. But here's the thing, as I've been building my business and as I've gotten older, I've already accumulated the things that I really need. And so now it's just yeah. kind of like, hey, let's just go ahead and get this. But no, that, that's one of the best things. I also just bought the Samsung 21S and you're gonna get this, you're gonna appreciate this, Winnie. I'm so frugal that I shipped it to my in-laws house who lives two miles away, but the taxes are 6%. Where I live, it's 10%. So I'm saving 4% in taxes. I gotta go drive after over this. I'm gonna drive over and pick up the Samsung 21S. That's amazing. Yeah, I that is so funny. I love that. You, you definitely are on your own level, friend. That's for damn sure. <laughs> All right, next question for you. Where's one location you're dying to travel to? Oh, I think the next spot that we want to go, I've been there and I loved it, but I want to take my entire family. I want to take my family to Italy and do like a four week trip driving all around Italy. That would be fun. I've also know a lot of people say Spain's fantastic, but um, right now Italy is at least we would like to go to Italy and do a four week trip all around. I mean, the Alps, if nobody has ever seen the Alps, it's so worth it to see the Alps from any point of view, from Spain or from Switzerland, from Italy. The Alps are amazing. I we went to flew into Austria, flying over the Alps. I was like, I was looking out the plane, looking out the window, like, what is that? that it's is wild. It's, it's absolutely amazing. That's so cool. That'll be fun. Next question for you: Are you more of a morning or evening routine kind of person? Totally morning. By the time evening rolls around, I'm like, give me my dinner and let me go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what's your current morning routine. Oh man, I'm so blessed to be able to wake up whenever I want, but usually it's around six ish. I just, I just like waking up earlier. I drink my coffee. I look at my email for any properties that any wholesalers or other investors or property managers, realtors send me. And after, if I want to buy it, I tell them, yes, let's buy it. And it takes me a couple minutes and then I buy it. So from there I go to the gym and then from there I come home, kiss my wife and have a little breakfast and then just hang out the rest of the day. So that's, I don't really need a like hardcore routine anymore because man, once you don't have a job, it's just like, oh, the rest of the day feels so much better. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. That's so awesome. All right, friend, final question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Ooh, passive income. Passive income is by far the best way to make money. Now, when you work a job, you're earning money. You work an hour, you get paid for that hour. You don't continually get paid, whether it's writing a book, whether it's, you know, creating a podcast or a song or creating or buying real estate. Passive income is fantastic. And now what I've been doing now is every business that I create from now, from this point forward, or from when I quit my job, it's focused on passive income, like master passive income. I, I absolutely, I make money through affiliates. I have people that pay me for coaching. Um, and with that, I buy more real estate. I literally, it's a transfer right into real estate. Um, same thing. I have books that does affiliate or um, sales, continual sales for passive income for that. I even have a online coaching business for fitness. I have a friend of mine started, we started a business that we have a membership where people log in, we get paid passively. Obviously it's all created one time. We get paid, they get what they want and we make money passively. I don't do any extra work. So passive income is by far the best thing for financial freedom, for financial independence and just be financially free. I love it. Dustin Heiner, you rock friend. Thank you so much for hanging out. Absolutely. Hey, do you mind if I give everybody, I'm frugal, so I, I know I had to create something because I always <laughs> want, I love giving parting gifts. So would you mind if I give everybody like a free yeah, gift? Yeah, please do. Please do. Awesome. So I have a real estate investing course. It'll get anybody and everybody started to think, should I do it or should I not? Like it'll, it'll make you either go either one of the way. Cause I'm going to give you literally show you how to find properties, how to fund properties, how to manage a property, how to scale the business to be able to quit your job in this course. So you can get it for free. If you go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course, 
all one word for slash free course. I'll literally give you my free real estate investing course. I just want you to realize that you can do it. And if you want to do it, it's there for you. You rock. Thank you so much for that offer too. That sounds like such a good one. And I am definitely going to be taking you up on that for sure, because this is the next phase of my life too. So I'm really excited to learn from you more. Let's do it, Whitney. I'm there for you. All right. I'm going to need it too. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks so much, Dustin. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Whitney. I appreciate you. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Okay. Tell me, what were your biggest takeaways? My biggest takeaway from this conversation was how you can actually invest in properties without actually seeing them. That's something that, again, it kind of freaks me out. So I'm not sure if it's like necessarily something I could dive right into. I'd have to like dip my toe in the water to see if I'm comfortable with it. But I really admire his philosophy and his strategy for investing. Now tell me, what stood out to you? Take a screenshot of this, tag me on Instagram, and let me know that you're listening in. Does two things for me. One, it really does help support the show by sharing it with people that you know and people that can maybe benefit from the content. And also, it lets me connect with you. I love seeing who's listening in. I love hearing your takeaways. And more than anything, I like just being part of your journey. So thank you for doing that. It means so much to me. That is it for today, my friend. I will see you on Friday for Five Tip Friday or next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye.